0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
1: Hello and welcome to the Monday Twilight Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, live from Dubai. After a really long break, tonight I am back and will be joined by Sam Hill, a fellow English teacher and my colleague, to discuss the importance of building relationships and pastoral care when you're a teacher. Please join in the discussion by calling or texting in. Oh my goodness it feels really strange saying that after such a long break I'm also sat here with everything in front of me hoping that I can remember exactly what it is that I need to do um so let's hope there aren't too many technical glitches the cat is also sat here trying to think about when he's going to start meowing so got the full compliment this evening anyway it's really really good to be back and tonight I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by my friend and my colleague Sam Hill. Um, Sam teaches English with me here in Dubai, and we've had quite a lot of conversations over the last few weeks about the importance of pastoral care and a teacher's role in how they support their students beyond what they're studying in the classroom. Um, with Sam's experience and his viewpoints, I thought that this would be the perfect first show back, and Sam will be joining me shortly, I hope. <laughs> um, so, anyway, today we started back at school after our half term break and it's going to be i think another quite hectic few weeks so to everybody who is starting their holiday today um please enjoy the break and the rest it was actually lovely to be back in the classroom all day today feeling quite rejuvenated a little bit more like myself so definitely take that time to make sure you are chilling out ready to go for the next crazy half term Talking about it being hectic, though, I actually only have about two and a half weeks in school before we venture to America to compete in the World Scholars Cup Tournament of Champions at Yale University. Um, It's mad to think, actually, that the last time I did my show here, it was the night of our team's success in the global round of the competition here in Dubai, because that really does feel like quite a lifetime ago. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to be joined by Daniel Berdyshevsky. He is the founder of World Scholars Cup, and we will be discussing the power of debating and developing students' confidence. So I will definitely keep that one signposted. Um so since being back at school in August, I'm like just gonna give a quick rundown. Um I've been developing my knowledge and practice of delivering more strategies to support reading across the curriculum if you've listened to this show before you know that this is one of my great passions um, and so that's been something that's been great to continue developing at school for me working in a school that really values the importance of literacy and reading development and prioritizing these foundations for all our students learning is something that i really really value and i will be sharing more of this in shows over the next few weeks I'm going to challenge myself to, again, be a little bit braver and do another solo show. So that will very much have a reading focus. Anyway, I'm going to stop whittering on, actually, because I think once Sam gets here, I know because you've called in. Thank, thank you, Sam. Um, when I let Sam into the show, um, I know we're going to have quite a lot to talk about. Um, so I am going to play news, and then we will be back after this.
2: She says hoping it's going to work
1: and now it's really taking its time <laughs> okay try again so we'll go with the news and then we'll be back after this
2: If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
2: A London council has waded into the ongoing debate over free school meals by writing to the government calling for the eligibility threshold for secondary school children to be almost tripled. It is currently set at £7,400, but the letter from Southwark council suggests a rise to £20,000 per year. The letter, quoted in the Evening Standard, calls on the Secretary of State for Education, Kit Malthouse, to act now to avert a calamitous hunger crisis. It urges the government to initiate universal free school meals for primary age pupils alongside the raise of income threshold for secondary pupils the letter coincides with calls from feed the future a coalition of campaigning organizations coordinated by the food foundation for the government to extend free school meals to all children living in poverty in england this appeal is also in line with national food strategy recommendations which were released earlier this year STV News reports on how teachers, parents and young people from across Scotland are to be asked for their views on plans to reform the country's education system. A consultation has been launched as part of an independent review of qualifications and assessments, which was first announced in 2021. The review is being led by Louise Hayward, Emeritus Professor at Glasgow University, and it will provide advice for ministers to consider in March 2023. It is hoped the consultation will gather opinions on the balance between exams and other forms of assessment, as well as how a wider range of learners' achievements can be recognised. The consultation will close on December the 16th this year. Professor Heywood said that the reviews of qualifications and assessment offers Scotland an opportunity to look to the future, whilst Education Minister Shirley Anne Somerville said the review and consultation process had a clear purpose in improving experiences and outcomes in education. In Northern Ireland, two primary schools have created an animation focusing on children's mental health. The animation is called Our We Thoughts and Feelings and was created by pupils from Elm Grove and Christ the Redeemer primary schools. The animation was created through Our Generation, funded by an EU Peace 4 project and led by Action Mental Health. The project also received funding from the executive office the project aims to build positive relations and emotional resilience in children and young people pupils completed the better together program learning about friendships empathy and breathing techniques to help manage feelings the animation workshops were held in both schools with children traveling between the east and west side of the city the objective of the our generation project is growing up better together and is currently being delivered on both sides of the border. Its core aim is to build positive relations and emotional resilience in communities impacted by the troubles. Earlier this month, we reported on the three dads walking as they campaigned to get suicide prevention on the school curriculum in all four home nations. One of the three dads, Mike Palmer, who lost his daughter to suicide, has now won a Pride of Britain Special Recognition Award. Mike and the other two dads, Andy Airy and Tim Owen, secured 127,000 signatures for their online petition which should now prompt a debate in the house of commons the pride of britain awards will be broadcast on itv on the 27th of october this has been your teachers talk radio news with joe fox
0: this is two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio
3: Hello, this week I'm going to talk about the power of a like. You know that little thumbs up symbol or the little red heart? In the news, young people are finding a reply to a message with a thumbs up as annoying and are looking to avoid using it. Why? Well, you pour your heart out, take the time to construct, punctuate, even find a gift that matches the mood to get a thumbs up returned. Faster than the time it takes to read the message. Laughy face emojis are another questionable reply. Are you one of these people? And do you need to consider how you reply to messages or not? Before we get all emoji, emojional, oh, see what I did there? I would like to share the true power of a like. I don't have that many followers on Twitter. It's always a nice surprise when I take a look to see someone has liked something I've said. However, this week, I had the best like of my life. I was asked to be keynote on the ICT for Education conference in Manchester and while I was there I took a selfie with Professor Miles Berry, who is Professor of Computing and Education at the University of Roehampton and has lots of kudos in the computing world. When I checked on Twitter later that day, I saw that none other than Martin doogie founder and CEO of Moodle, Moodle is an open-source virtual learning platform, he had liked my tweet. Martin Doogimas, is one of my computing heroes and he liked my tweet. I do think actually he was liking the fact that Miles was tagged into it, but I'm just going to brush over that part. The point I'm making here is liking and reacting is a powerful thing. It may be annoying that you get a heart or a thumbs up or an okay hand back, but you got a reply. Acknowledgement that I have this and thanks for sending. Acknowledgement that I'm busy and will read this later. So, yes, sometimes liking a message may be seen as a lazy way out, but is it not better than getting nothing back at all? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the emoji response. In fact, I'll be tweeting about this this week. Please like it or even take the time to reply. As always, tag in at TT Radio 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with
0: Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: So hello and welcome back to Monday's Twilight Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, live from Dubai. And joining me tonight, as long as this all goes well, will be my colleague Sam Hill, an English teacher as well, to discuss the importance of pastoral support when teaching. Right, I was like, what what am I going to
4: film this How does it sound? Does it sound Okay.
1: Well, I can totally hear you now, and oh, so I'm okay. totally relieved. Um, hopefully Tom can hear you as well, so that that should be all right. Oh my god, that was a panic!
4: Right? Absolute Tom Rogers to the rescue again. Anytime I need <laughs> any Anytime I need anything on Twitter, it's Tom Rogers to the rescue. To be so...
1: <laughs> right. Well, oh my god, after that, I need to lie down. So, I'm
4: really sorry. I'm sorry. It must have been my phone. I'm not sure.
1: No, it's fine. We're all good. We are all good. Anyway we are going to make a start because there's loads of things like I've already said that I really want to talk to you about today. So can you please start off by introducing yourself to everybody and your career so far? Mm. Uh,
4: So yeah, my name is Sam Hill. Um, I've worked as a teacher now, this has got to be the eighth year now possibly, Could could be one more than that but I never actually set out to um, to do it. To be fair, my my degrees in broadcast journalism, which is interesting, because I'm now on the radio, um, <laughs> and I did a, I did a ho- I did a whole lot of that m- myself before before I moved into teaching.
1: So you're already um, putting to shame, okay? Yeah. yeah
4: if, <laughs> if you say so. No, you're doing a great job, and also you're doing it with Strudel, the cat, sat on your lap, which I never had to do. You know, always had
2: um, always had a true.
4: co-host, yeah. <laughs> um, and. To, it. Long story short, I, I absolutely hated journalism, hated it with a passion. And the broadcasting side of it, I loved. But if I'm brutally honest, I thought I was probably going to um, be on Sky Sports and <laughs> and chatting to footballers every weekend. And uh, it didn't quite work out like that, so I moved back home. I uh, worked as a TA at my the school I actually went to, um, and uh, and and then from there I got onto a gone to a PGC for uh, for for English, um. Uh, yeah, and didn't look back. I, I taught English primarily, um, with some split timetables in some of the jobs I had, or some of the years I were teaching with with PE. Um, just because of the sport background and the coaching background as well, um, I tended to uh, take up some hours in PE in most in most of the schools I've worked at. Apart from the one where I work with uh, with you now, it's is a uh, wholly English and a little bit of drama, of course.
1: You love the drama. We know that's your favourite lesson of the we week. We love
4: the drama. <laughs> the, lesson, the lesson drama, yeah, not, not not actual drama.
1: So what was it that made you choose English as a subject you wanted to teach in the first place? Was it just the kind of link <coughs> from your degree or was there something else that was a bit more of a driver?
4: It was definitely a combination of that. It was, it was I mean, truthfully speaking, it was a mix of journalism's best fit. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, and something I was good at. Uh, but, but to be honest, I knew I always want, I wanted to teach, uh, e- even in the, even when I was in journalism, I, I wanted to, wanted to teach. Um, and it, it didn't really matter what subject to me. I just wanted to get into a school. I wanted to make a difference to kids really. And, and it just happened to be that English was something that fit the degree. English was something that I was good at, um, and something that I already had a passion for, uh, and to be fair, I've been described before as. Like a PE teacher in a suit, Um, but for now, English is definitely my subject for sure, first and foremost. And actually, I think the uh, the stereotypical PE approach has has actually worked wonders um, in the classroom, especially for obviously, obviously the the topic of the show today, which is which is building relationships.
1: Yeah, I was going to say because obviously we're going to draw quite a lot on your experience with PE and sport because, like Sam's mentioned, now he doesn't teach any PE at the school we're currently at, but you obviously are running it as part of your extracurricular, sort of mm. so you've got you've kind of got that as well as, and that's something that we can think about in terms of how we build relationships with kids outside yeah. of the classroom. Um, so anyway, I'm also just wanting to because I always like to ask people about this question, it's quite a big feature of my show, especially when I've got people who teach in the international circuit, um, and specifically Dubai, because you've been here a few years now. Um, yeah. But what, what I'm going to ask you first of all, what what drew you to Dubai as a place where you wanted to work and teach?
4: I wanted, I, I definitely wanted to work abroad. I always wanted to work abroad, actually, even before teaching. And then and then, obviously, when you get into teaching, you realise that uh, it opens doors all over the world, um, especially with especially with English, right? Um, and I weighed up a few different options and packages, but. One of my best friends actually uh, was already here. He was here for two years before me. He was my housemate at uni. Um, uh, Brin Cooper, his name is. He actually worked for uh, for G- for Gems out here as well as his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was the, it seemed like the logical option because um, me and my partner we we came on holiday. We checked it out, um, and it was great to already have a contact here. And obviously the package was great. Let's let's not beat around the bush here. You know, the, yeah. t- To work to work in Dubai is. Uh, or the UAE in general, or actually the Middle East. The, the packages are, you know, insanely good sometimes. You you tell people about it and they can't quite believe it. But um, what's keeping me here is different for sure. It's the lifestyle, the weather, the, um, the, the, the sense of freedom that we've got. Um, and I just wanted to get out of my comfort zone. My, mum, my mum's always said that I thrive when I'm out of my comfort zone. It's where I'm most comfortable. It's, it's, it's irony, isn't it? But I think she's right, actually. So um, it was going to be anywhere, but device was the best option in the end because of the contacts I already had here and the package. Yeah,
1: I think that's something, especially right now, it feels very, very topical when we're talking about packages and teacher salaries. And. Yeah. You know, I do think that it's something that people should really think about. I I come back to it all the time. You know, if somebody wants to have the opportunity, I just wish I'd done it sooner, to be honest. I wish I'd not waited as long as I did.
4: Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure.
1: But what do you think – I'm going to ask you about the peaks and the pitfalls, though, because, again, I'm always really interested in people's opinions about this when they work abroad because everyone always comes up with something different. Yeah, Yeah, what you've kind of touched on the peaks a little bit, but, yeah, what are they really for you and also, yeah, the pitfalls?
4: I was talking to—I was actually talking to a good friend of mine. I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna say names because you know she's employed and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. But about about coming to Dubai, and um, I kind of the the conversation went on and on. It went on for a good like thirty thirty-five minutes, and I think I came to the conclusion in the end that because we're so happy here, the bad days don't seem as bad, and the bad days are going to come in teaching all the time for me definitely the bad days happen you know what what one in two maybe I'm not sure but every now and then we get we get this like peak of euphoria which makes us go oh yeah I love this job I'm going back tomorrow no problem Um, but I still get those and the euphoric highs are still there but the hellish lows I used to get in the UK aren't as low anymore because you leave work it's 26 degrees the sun hits my face I'm like right, you know. Hope what do you want to do? Paddleboarding at sunset. Do you want to eat nandos at the marina? And th- that that stuff, I think, eases the pressure of the working day um, tenfold. So that that's that's probably that's probably why. So the lifestyle, the weather, um, the bad days aren't so bad. Uh, it's taboo, but listen, having extra money at the end of the month doesn't hurt, does it? And as someone who actually. Always found my mental health suffered the most when I didn't have an, have enough money. Well, my mental health never been better now because of that. I think so. The money helps too.
1: I think that's the thing, isn't it? We everyone always comes back to it. it's the work life balance. We really do work hard. They're long days, and this is something that I always want to say. I never want to minimise. It's not like we've come out here and taken the easy option because they are long working days or whatever. But some mm, Whether it is just the sunshine, I don't know, but it is. It's that sense of balance and being able to, like you say, go paddleboarding at sunset because it's not freezing cold and pitch black at 4 o'clock in November. And I I honestly think, I mean, this summer for me, on a kind of personal level, this summer for me, I really struggled with the idea of coming back to Dubai. It was the first time I'd been back in England for, you know, any kind of considerable length of time obviously the summer was absolutely amazing and phenomenal you know the weather and everything at home and I was like I actually don't know if I'm a little bit done with Dubai which I never thought I'd think or say yeah
4: do you consider Dubai as your home now? you know when you yeah. say home yeah you do too. yeah yeah I do yeah. and, and that that's helps, the so. thing
1: and as soon as I was back and back in the swing of things I was like oh no no way am I done this is ridiculous um so yeah I think I think it is definitely for me, like you've kind of touched on, it is that balance and I think it's something that, you know, if people and I say this all the time on the show, but if people are listening and they're considering it, you know, try a year, try two years because honestly it's it's rejuvenated my teaching as well. Certainly in the last what, few weeks.
4: Um What have not, you got to lose? What have you got to lose, right? <laughs> Although I suppose I suppose some people do have more to lose. So that's probably a little naive of me to say. And I I left without, you know, um, without children for example that's a huge responsibility that's slightly different maybe yeah. but um but yeah I, when most when most of the contracts are for two years for me it's it's worth a try because all you can do is go back and well, I was most part, it'll and, still be there for you
1: and i always thought you know what i'll go and if i don't like it i'll just go and travel in every school holiday um and just you know maximize experiences and i still pretty much do that anyway it's just that I don't seem to want to leave. Um, you you made a comment a little bit earlier on about um, the freedom that we have. And I think that's something and our head teacher Brian has been on this show before and he did talk about the professional autonomy. But again, I just want to kind of touch on that before we move on to what we're going to talk about for the rest of the show. Because that's something that I also don't think should ever, ever be underrated or undervalued. And I don't know, it's quite nice to talk to somebody who now works in the same school as me, um, but it is having that sense of freedom, isn't it, to kind of teach how we want to. He calls it consistent, inconsistent, inconsistency? Yeah, consistently yeah, inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And again, I don't think that can ever be taken for granted. And I think that should be something that is really valued and recognized. Um, how have you found it? Because obviously, you've only been there a few weeks.
4: I'm not sure I can put my finger on why here, we are trusted and respected more than we are in the UK. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure why. I, why I can put my finger on that, or whether that's even the truth. But that's how it feels, and it's nice to hear that because we haven't had this discussion before, actually. But I agree with everything you've just said, and and other, my other teacher friends, Bryn, for example, agree agree too. And I, I don't really know why. Why? Why we? Like <laughs> maybe maybe it's because teachers as a profession in um in an islamic country are widely respected right maybe Mm -hmm. maybe it comes back to the core of actually where we are in the middle east and people like teachers are of not necessarily the higher echelons of society but we are we're respected in that sense and they've never they've not they've never lost touch with that when our parents went to school um, that was the case in the UK but it seems to have got more and more that you know the child's my child's never wrong my child's an angel you know it's more likely your fault those yeah. conversations don't have don't happen so much out here they do happen but it don't happen so much out here so perhaps we have that freedom because to the Middle East very core we are we're, we're more respected so therefore the leaders of the schools respect us too maybe but it does it definitely I, I agree yeah it does feel like that
1: I honestly, I, I think there is a big part in that. I think about some of the, and, you know, we're talking about relationships with the students, but, you know, we can't underestimate or undervalue, again, the relationships that we have with the parents. And like you say, it's kind of like the trust, but also the respect that we, you know, that we have. And it's like a two-way, a two-way dialogue with the parents. I'm much more communicative. I don't know about you. I'm much more communicative with families than I ever was in the UK. I found myself sending or, you know, making phone calls because somebody needed to have a behavior discussion and it was always fairly negative whereas here you find yourself entering in dialogues where you're actually talking a lot more about celebrating things again I don't know if that's just my approach that's changed over time but I've definitely felt a big change in that as well and I mean you know like we have emails and stuff at work and you're cc'd in or I am or whatever but we can see that dialogue with the parents and I think that is also something that we shouldn't we should definitely
4: recognize yeah, it's, it's, it's an important part of it. But I, I feel like if I'm going to come at that from a slightly pessimistic point of view would be, I think that's largely more the case here because we're in private schools and the parents have a lot more say. So we tend to pander mm-hmm. to that a little bit more. Um, Whereas it feels like maybe at home you don't necessarily need to make that. By the way, this is my, not my belief and later, later on I'll, I'll talk to you about what, how important it is to, to, to ring home for good reasons and not just for bad. But mm-hmm. I just feel like maybe we can get away with it in the UK because we can turn kids around at the gate and say, no, nah, not today. You know, for whatever reason, not today. Whereas we don't do that so much here because the parents have a little bit more control. Yeah, I think that's a polite I, way of saying it, <laughs> but they do no, have a I, little bit more control.
1: I think you're right. I think, and again, it's something, especially when we're talking about our situation and where we work and where we teach, I think it is kind of important. And we do acknowledge that because we are very much, you know, a fee paying society in terms of the schools the parents can pick. We know ultimately it is a business. But what I like about the feel of our school is the fact that it never really feels like that. Especially, no, I mean, it my experience of schools in Dubai is fairly limited, but just certainly hearsay you can feel a little bit like you're a hamster on the wheel. Whereas what I like about ours is it still just kind of have that British kind of small school family feel about it.
4: Yeah, for sure. And it, it it comes down to the to, to the management of it as well, doesn't it? And I think that we're we're managed well or the parent the parent body is managed well as well because that can get out of control, can't it? There's a lot of money in Dubai, there's a lot of wealth that leads to a lot leads to a lot of power. Um and people can think that they, they, they can own the place when when in reality you know they don't they just pay yes. to send their kids here that's very very true
1: right i'm going to move us on see we're already digressing massively i knew this would happen um <laughs> but the topic of the show as we've mentioned is about the importance of building relationships in the classroom um i would like you to please just explain to everybody why this is something that you advocate so strongly
4: <laughs> so i do i do advocate i'm, I'm
1: gonna sit back now and i'm just gonna let you go
4: <laughs> um uh, one, you, you'll know, obviously, because you, you've worked with me and, and this has happened before. And if anyone is listening, that that knows me that I don't I, I hate this kind of thing where it feels like I'm professing because I'm some form of expert. Because I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely, definitely not. But one thing I have a massive passion for is the idea of building relationships in life, not just in the classroom. And obviously, we're teachers and we work with children. And in, in my coaching side, I work with kids even younger than the, the, the kids that I, that I teach at school everything everything comes down to relationships this the be all and end all the building of them um, is like this is getting deep now but it's like the key to life let alone teaching human connections are Mm -hmm. possibly the most interesting part of being alive right we we you and i both love to travel we we've done our fair bit since living here but isn't a massive part of that meeting new people and developing relationships with those people and then you can say all right we've got our family um, I've got some very very close fam- family, you know, mum, dad, brother. Um, uh, it doesn't really get too much bigger than that. And then I've got a group of say fifteen friends. Um, one of them's listening right now, so shout out Adam, thank you for tuning in. Um, and the those those relationships are all intricate in their different ways, and they all have different nuances, and they have all plenty of uniqueness and. It's easy for me to translate that to the classroom because I don't necessarily see the kids as kids, or students, sorry. I don't see them as students all the time. I see them as human beings. And don't get me wrong, it's been my downfall at times too, when, when things have possibly gone wrong, it's because, all right, there's that boundary there. Let's get, let's get it back. But I see, them as, I see them as human beings, first and foremost. Um, and all the research and the latest gimmicks, they, they mean nothing. And this is all my opinion. All right. So I apologize if I'm offending anybody, but they, they, all, all that stuff means absolutely nothing if the kids don't resp- respect you, like you, admire you, whichever one it is, once you've got them on side. I remember my first ever interview lesson. This is probably one of the best compliments I've ever had. Uh, in NQT lesson um, in Gloucestershire, um, a fairly rough, comprehensive school. After a 45 minute lesson, the member of SRT that was watching me was like, those kids would have followed you off a cliff. And... Mm. Absolutely. I was like, I, you know, I didn't necessarily understand what he meant at the time, but now, I, now I think about that. I think yeah, that's that's an insane compliment. And one thing I have learned is that kids can be fiercely loyal, can't they? When they can be yeah, fiercely can. loyal. Once they like you, that's it. They like you, and it takes it also. It also takes an awful lot to to lose that liking of you, because I feel like um, once once you've developed that relationship, you can test their boundaries as much as. They test yours and you can almost get away with a little bit more than what someone might not be able to get away with who doesn't have that same relationship um, as what you have. I have to slow down because I get so passionate about talking about this. I don't want it to seem like I'm, uh, I'm rambling, but
1: you're definitely not rambling and i'm literally sat here making notes while you're talking because um, (laughs) on a on a very personal level sam for people who are listening has inherited the majority of my form group from last year and it's taken him less than half a term and i'm like yeah i am dust to those kids they don't know me anymore and it's just but it is it's so wonderful to see like obviously you've only been there half a term and this was another reason why I wanted you on the show was because in such a short space of time I have watched you make those kind of relationships with kids and I mm. just thought it would be a really good time to have you sharing these opinions and things because you do look at people and teachers and staff in particular and you know you're saying at the end of the day you see them as as humans not students and I think it's also really important to remember that they're kids at the end of the day yeah. they are kids and yeah. you know if they've had a bad lesson the lesson before they're not always very good at self-regulating and not bringing that drama to your doorstep or if they've just had a massive argument with their best mate at lunchtime and then they're coming into English they don't care and yeah. it's like you have to remind them that we know that as well and I think it's really really important to remember that and also that, kind of put that forward to people that forget it
4: yeah yeah don't take you, you cannot take things personally when you're working with children can you you can't take things personally it's very very rarely personal and even if it is personal it's probably come from some um some issue earlier in the day or maybe even in the week or at home or you don't you don't know what's going on so you're just that you're just that face of authority that everybody likes to push back against you know you and i we 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 all like to push back against authority we don't really like being told what to do no one does um but for, Again, for me, what what happens is I spend the first few lessons, the first few weeks, whatever it is, just building relationships so that they don't necessarily push back with me. Um, And if they do, they understand that they've let me down, I suppose. they. you know,
1: sorry, I was just going to interject. That's been the thing. And, I mean, that comes back from me growing up. And my mum's saying, "I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. And yeah. nothing, nothing wounded me more. And I think when you've actually got that relationship with a student or a group of students, like you just said, you've let me down. That's to me the most powerful thing because that's when you know that you've got them and they've got you. Really.
4: When I think about like the nuts and bolts of teaching as well, um, de- developing that you've, you know, you've got them and they've got you in." In my teaching, like uh, so, in observations, I often get praise on uh, questioning, for example, and I think all of that comes from the relationships. Because when I build, I build up, I build up a relationship to such an extent that I don't have to, I don't have to fluff criticism up anymore. I don't really have to be fluffy anymore. I can just <laughs> say it like it is, and and there's a there's a there's an atmosphere in the room where it's okay to fail, but if you do something substandard, Mister Hill is going to call you out on it. I'm, I'm going to call you out to on that, it, by like, the yeah. way,
1: everybody, because I've seen that in action and it's absolutely brilliant. It's so <laughs> fun to watch.
4: <laughs> but it's, it's never malicious, but, you know, they still do get the undertones of he's a little bit peed off. He's a little bit annoyed at me because I could probably have done better there. But I've done it in a, a you know, I've, I haven't needed to do it in, um, I don't know, the stereotypical, I would say like, you know, the primary school teacher approach of uh, what the sandwich right the 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 the, um oh that was a good try but maybe think about it like this and i don't get me wrong i've done that in my career but i've found that if i develop um sorry if i if i put more time into building relationships with them i can save a lot of time in lessons by just saying no that's not quite right is it like how would you how would how would i have said it or how does this 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 person say it
1: I'm going to um, kind of focus in on our subject a little bit for a minute just because I also don't know how, and again, this is just my bias and lack of experience having only ever taught English, Um, but I feel that we're very, very lucky to teach English in that respect because I think it really does enable us to build those kind of relationships because we cover such a broad range of topics. I mean, do you think that our subject, do you agree? Do you think it's something that our subject really helps with? I mean, you've got the experience of teaching more than one, so... That might be something yeah. quite nice to the, consider.
4: I say I, I do actually say like this kind of line a lot where I say something like "And this is the beauty of teaching lit. This is why it's great to teach lit, because we're having this conversation now and, and all of you are engaged and we're having a debate now about Russia and Ukraine. We weren't even we we, we were studying of mice and men. You know, how did we get here? But we, yeah, definitely. the. the the amount of things that we can cover in English helps, helps us develop those relationships because I think you can touch on so many different experiences. And then obviously when you work in Dubai, it's made me not just a better teacher, it's made me a better person because never have I worked with such a diverse group of people, so many different beliefs and backgrounds and languages and traditions and cultures and blah, blah, blah. And when you pair that with English, yeah, it, 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 it's a mean force. It's a force to be reckoned with, definitely, when it comes to building relationships.
1: No, I completely agree. And I've said on this show before, you know, I feel like I'm learning. There was a girl that I was speaking to who teaches in Mexico once. And, you know, we were both saying we feel like we're learning so much from the kids that are in front of us because their life experiences are yeah so rich and so varied. And I think, again, you know, yes, I've said, yeah, they're children and, you know, they're not always as. You know, they're not always great at self-regulating, but at the same time, even if they are 12 years old, you know, they grew up for six years in Pakistan or they grew up in Jordan or Egypt, and they're teaching me things. And again, it's that kind of, it's that building of the relationship, but also that mutual respect and them understand you value their voice just as much as you value them listening to yours.
4: I'll stop a lesson and have a conversation about that. Uh, for, like, I'll ask questions. I did it today in year 10. I, I asked a question. I, I genuinely didn't know the answer to it. They laughed it off like, are you an idiot? Like, so what do you mean? Like, why? Well, of course, it doesn't matter what color it is. But I didn't know. I asked that question. It, you know, I think teachers are often scared of making themselves or putting themselves in vulnerable positions. And obviously, you got to I'm, I'm talking about vulnerability in terms of looking weak, perhaps, or looking a little mm-hmm. silly, making a spelling mistake, or making, a, make, making an error of judgment in, you know, the question was, I asked one of the girls why she wears a black hijab and why someone else wears a white one. And there was basically no reason for it whatsoever. It was just one of them liked the color white and the other one likes the color black because it goes with their abaya better. The, I didn't realize that. I thought there might've been a deeper reason as to why they might've worn warm different colors, that there wasn't a reason. I asked that question, they laughed it off. It creates just that little spark in the lesson where we have a little laugh, we go off on one of Mr. Hill's tangents, they call it, for five minutes. But when I want to bring them back, it's, it's quite easy to do that because it's like, oh, we've just had five minutes of fun. Now let's get back to where we were before. And if they like you and they respect you, they'll try harder and, and they'll learn more. And it's not always so black and white. I know it's not. Um, But when I think about the personal success I've had, it can literally only be that because I'm a bang average teacher. My subject knowledge leaves a lot to be desired. I don't live and breathe CPD. I don't live and breathe on my laptop at weekends like I know a lot of teachers do. So how do I keep getting good results? Like, why are they still good? Why are these kids still making progress? And it can only really be because they like coming to the lessons. It can only be that.
1: But I just, but again, you're saying only be that. And, you know, you, you're almost kind of, you can't sit there and say, this isn't now obviously the Sam Hill building you up show, but you can't sit <laughs> there and say, you know, real self deprecating, oh, I'm a bang average teacher because yeah, I am. <laughs> but when you think about what you're saying, you're talking about, and again, this comes back to the whole idea of, you know, what we're talking about, the premise being that, you know, you care about them as
2: people. Yeah.
1: And I think that's what differentiates somebody from being in my, again, this is just my opinion, but Mm. somebody who is what we would class as a bang average teacher and and a teacher that actually really cares passionately about the people in front of them, not just the subject that they're paid to
4: teach. You know, sometimes that, it's, it's really nice to hear what you've just said, but I just feel like sometimes our profession doesn't allow us to do that. And it certainly, if, If ever I've had times where I've questioned what I'm doing and whether I want to be a teacher anymore, there's usually one or two reasons. And one of them is it feels like I perhaps care too much and or I don't have the time or capacity to care as much as I would like to because there are parameters or there's admin to do or there's things to do, or this is the lesson and, oh, you didn't get this in because you went off on 10 minute tangent because you were talking about something that wasn't to do with the work, but it was to do with humanity. I feel like sometimes teaching doesn't actually allow me to care as much as I would like to, or arguably maybe I care too much to actually climb the ladder, which is what I thought I wanted to do a long time ago. I'm not quite sure about it as much anymore.
2: Now,
1: I, do you know something? I very much felt like that. You talk about being a bang average teacher. I said at the start of the show, like I felt very much rejuvenated after having the week off in half term because I actually did for the first time feel like, well not the first time, that sounds ridiculous, but genuinely felt like a bang average teacher in the fact that I was so bogged down in the paperwork and the admin and don't get me wrong, I understand it's important and it's value, especially when we're running up to inspection. But it was so nice today to be able to teach and have yeah. those conversations and not kind of be like, "Yep, yeah, OK, we've got to rush through this because that's that's not how I like to teach. What you're saying is music yeah. to my ears, because that is how I like to be in the classroom as well. And I just I just think sometimes you and again, our subject really does enable us to do this. And the students are also very, very, they're savvy. They know with me, they'll make a link to, I don't know, strudel the cat or something. And 10 minutes (laughs) later, I realise we haven't done any work, but we've had a really nice conversation. And, you know, I just don't think sometimes that that can ever, ever, I've said underestimated a lot, but I do think it holds so much value because Mm. they're building their confidence. And again, we know teenagers... Can be self conscious. They can feel embarrassed. They can feel awkward and uncomfortable. But the fact that they've been able to be there and speak openly or ask questions, even if they are on a bit more of a personal level, surely down the line that's going to be more beneficial.
4: Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be the utopia. But you, what's when you when you asked me to do this, I was thinking about what I'm gonna what how I would if there were other teachers listening, you know, Tom, for example, I don't know if he's still listening, but, he, but you spoke at the start and, you know, Tom, Tom's insanely well known. And, and I was thinking about how, 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 how do I want to come across? Like, how can I actually sound sophisticated and put out there how to build relationships when all it really is, is I'm just being me. And it does, because I'm sure you're going to ask me, you know, how do you do it? How do you ensure that you build these, how, how like, what what snippets can you give to other teachers who are PGC students or NQTs? And I don't know. I mean I do know, but do you think let me ask you this first. Do you think that the phrase you've either got it or you haven't works? Is that true? Because I've had a head teacher that's told me that before and I've had a head teacher that said the opposite. I've had a head teacher that said, Sam, it's just you've either got what you've got or you don't. And I don't know how much of a compliment that is, to be honest, but it, is it true? Because are we setting people up to fail then? Are we saying to all the new teachers coming in, well, if you don't actually have the people skills of the likes of like you and me, then you're not going to be able to create good relationships and you're then not gonna be a great teacher.
1: Do you know, it's so funny that you've even asked that and kind of put it out there because I we had our meeting after school and then I had my other meeting. And one of the questions in that meeting was talking about the difference between subject knowledge and pedagogical knowledge. Mm. And I have worked with a guy before who was insanely intelligent. He was a science teacher back in the UK. So, so passionate about And it was all around that time, I don't know if you remember, when the government were giving grants to science and maths. Te- I think it was science and maths. Yeah. It was- and if they got firsts, they were basically given golden handshakes <laughs> to work in schools.
4: Now, Cash me, money. It was actually more than if you, I don't know if you noticed, but if you got a first in maths or physics, it was more than your NQT wage. It was considerably oh, it was more. It was about three or four grand more than your NQT wage. So it was
1: me. absolutely crazy. Now, this guy was very, very intelligent, but he could not get that across. He couldn't. He couldn't make those relationships and the bonds yes. with the kids in the same way. And, you know, you can't knock him for trying. And he tried absolutely everything. But in the end, he ended up leaving the profession. And I, yeah. do think, I do think that for some people it works and some people it doesn't. And we all have different methods and we all have different ways of, you know, having the in with the kids or the class or whatever. And yeah. we all have good days and bad days and good lessons and bad lessons, all that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, I do think you've got to have something that makes you relatable. And, you know, I had year 10, you had year 10 at the same time. And I'm looking at them and it's like 10 past three. And I can see some of them really engaged. I'm wildly into it. There, some of them really are not. And I'm like, just keep powering on. And, you know, it's just kind of like sometimes you've just got to accept they're tired. It's the first day back after half term. But some people if they haven't got in my opinion if they haven't got that kind of ability to have the wiggle room then they're making life so much harder for themselves you've got you've got to kind of admit it and see it together i guess i don't know
4: yeah it's a that's i mean it is a sad reality to suggest that like you know you've either got it or you don't but uh, i'm not i'm not sure that's true perhaps some people have got it a little bit more naturally um, and some people just have to work on it. But there are definitely ways, even, even the people who aren't, you know, natural people person, yeah, a natural people person, a natural communicator or, you know, someone who, who like me is just a little bit rough around the edges. And so, for some reason, the kids seem to gravitate to that and they quite like that. But there are, there are snippets of little things you can do. And I've done this kind of thing before where I've spoken to teachers about it because I've been asked to, never gone out of my way to do it because it's horrible. But Sorry, signed,
1: signed you up for that as <laughs> well.
4: <laughs> um, but there are snippets of things that you can try. Sometimes they, people turn their nose up at them. Some people go, oh, I tried that. It didn't really work. What else? But I think I try to avoid being the stereotype. That's the first thing let's try and let's let, let, let's let's give some snippets out here to anybody who anybody who might listen now or want to listen back and wonder wonder how how it could be a little bit easier first of all I'll try not to be the stereotype um, mm-hmm. and whatever that whatever that might be for for, for your um, subject area or you know the, the age bracket you fall in I think it's important to not necessarily do it but if you do it perhaps do it ironically sometimes so I'll do like you know I, I having a sense of humor obviously helps but not being the stereotype um, has led me to having conversations or doing things that might be deemed to children as naughty like oh my god did Mr Hill just do that or did he just say that or is he teaching with his shoes off like what What on earth like things like that which to children might seem naughty and to us it's just like pure cringe but for some reason it it, it works so That helps. Obviously, we cannot get away from the fact that you have to develop um, established routines and habits. I'm a big believer in habits in life because that's the football side of me. Football is a game of habits. You do do what you're used to until someone teaches you otherwise. And when they break those routines or come out of those habits, I'll come down on them like a ton of bricks, like really, really hard. I definitely don't do the... um, don't smile before Christmas thing. I'll take the opposite approach to what I was taught on the PGC with that, with regards yeah, to that.
2: Me that
4: so, so for me, yeah, for me, I'm soft to start with, because in my opinion, the shock factor of when Mr. Hill switches is far more powerful of than, than starting with that. But again, maybe I'm just lucky, perhaps that doesn't work with everyone. Um, so th- there's, a, there's a few ideas, names, nicknames, jokes, names names is so important in that that's like one of those um that's one of those things that everyone has taught from the start but th- does everyone really do it do you know what i mean does everyone really do it does everyone really learn names right at the start and what if there's two kids with the same name what test their boundaries perhaps they they like a certain nickname and go with that i um the first lesson that i teach at every new school i just do name cards so everyone make themselves a name card uh put your name how you would like to be referred on it draw a little picture of who you are ah oh, mohammed football interesting right <laughs> just little things like that to, to help me learn names i think that's important um and uh, i think I, I think i said it earlier uh, beck just why, why are we taking things personally it's never personal and by the way if it's funny laugh because <laughs> like, like life's so short i'll never understand these teachers who are shouting at kids constantly they, do we get a kick out of being the bad guy? Because surely that's not happy work life or happy life in general. Uh, uh, if, if it's funny, laugh. <laughs> if, you know, if it's inappropriate, laugh a little bit. Take them outside and have a chat afterwards. If it's funny, laugh. You, you, you can do that. You can be a human. It's possible.
1: Yeah, but I always say this. I'm always like, do you know what? Teaching is the one job where I guarantee there will be something that makes me laugh, like proper mm. laugh every single day and whether that was an intentional thing or an unintentional thing i mean you know today we're talking about making fun of yourself whatever i'm thinking about that friday so just to give everybody a bit of context friday before the half term break we had um a half term fair at school and you ended up manning a giant inflatable for about 17 hours i think it felt like at the time (laughs) Redmond
4: I had a great salmon.
1: tan afterwards. Naughty Res- tan it was. <laughs> Rescuing kids from like halfway up an inflatable um Fireman Sam is his new nickname, by the way. Um and I went in the dunk tank and it was absolutely brilliant because one of my students, one of my boys in my year eight class managed to um get me with one throw of the ball into the tank and we talked about it today in english this kid got a round of applause he did a bow and everyone was like thanks chris thanks that's for for reading and that's for this and i'm like you know what we're all we're all still enjoying the moment and i just think you've, you've just got to show them that you're human haven't you you've just got to show them that you are up for a bit of a laugh but like you say the second that it it switches, and it's like, ah no, you've pushed it too far. But if you've established that relationship, if you've established that boundary and that ground rule, then you're laughing again, hopefully in a few minutes. The
4: the, the attending the events thing, um, that was, again, when I was thinking quite hard about this today, that was one thing that I thought about that, actually, I've done that this year, and I've often being like one of the only teachers that have done it. I did it last uh, at my last school. We used to they used to do a lot of lunchtime concerts and I've listened to some awful singers, some awful singers. <laughs> and I've watched some awful drum solos, but I always went and I, I, you know, sometimes the kids don't acknowledge it, but maybe they're subconsciously acknowledging it. I'm just trying to think here because again, I don't really know. I don't really know the exact answer of why this is something that I'm good at. So I'm trying to think about all the little things that I'm doing. And that was something that did stand out to me. And again, yourself, you've gone to this school fate. You've offered up to be the person that gets dunked in the dunk tank. And that's showing your human that's going to help build relationships with, with, with those kids. And it's something that you don't have to do. Do you know what I mean? Like we were there on Friday till after the time that we were, that we were employed to be there. Mm-hmm. that's not it's not something you have to do i remember last year i went to a couple of football matches um two of the girls in my form class and, and, and one of the lads and you know one was on a sunday i don't work on a sunday but do you know what as, as i'm rambling the problem is the problem is with this is i actually wanted to do that and do you know what you wanted to do that too and this probably comes back to you've either got it or you haven't and i guess it's much harder to fake like I wanted to go and watch this lad play football on Sunday. I wanted to, and you wanted to go in the dunk tank. Like,
1: you... well, yeah, and it's so... the same thing. It's like you know the Year Ten boys today going to their football match. They've messaged me on Teams to tell me, oh, they lost, by the way. Um, but they yeah. messaged to tell me because <laughs> they know that I care. And as soon as it's a home match, I go and yeah. stand on the side, and I embarrass them, and I embarrass myself. But <clears throat> they all secretly kind of love it that I'm there, saying, "Drink more water." look after yourself, like, you know.
4: <laughs> Ali, think, stop shouting so loud.
1: Also that, don't pitch invade when the year <laughs> eight's playing. But I think yeah. what what we're really lucky with as well is that we actually do work, and I think about our leadership team as well, we work with people who advocate that because when when I was stood there at the year eight game, you were stood there at the year eight game, Brian, our head teacher, was stood there at the year eight game, you know, other people were going to the car park and stopping for 10 minutes and i just yeah. think you know we're in an environment where we're very very lucky i think where we are surrounded by people who have that same kind of mentality you know they yeah. they do want to support the kids and they do want the kids to know that when they come into english maths dt geography we're going to want to talk to them about their football match the day after or like you say you listened to them i mean you have gone above and beyond there because i can tell you now i have not gone and listened to any bad singing so far this year <laughs> but you know you have gone and sat and listened to your year sevens what was she singing something from the greatest showman there was one girl you know like you, yeah you, it
4: was it was that one yeah yeah
1: but you know you, you, mm. you that's one of the things and i think again when we're talking about these takeaways that's something that can never ever be forgotten just if you've got five minutes you've got 10 minutes give them that five minutes and that 10 minutes because yeah. then they, you know we're sat in the same classroom again I'm very much speaking about secondary here but we're sat in the same classroom all day every day we've got this time you know we've got year seven but year seven have got us and five other subjects in that one day we're very easily forgettable but I think if they think oh you know Mr Hill or Miss Ricketts, say they came to watch me play football or they came to listen to me sing in the concert. Yeah, that, yeah. Again, that small, small thing, that five minutes where you might be eating your lunch in the auditorium rather than yep. sitting in the classroom or talking to your friends. It can actually make such a huge difference. Into and if that, people are start,
4: uh, if, absolutely. And if people need, you know, help somewhat in that, or if people are listening or if people are tuning into the podcast afterwards and they're like, I, I, I would, I would like to be better at it because it doesn't seem like it comes naturally to me. Well, these are things that they don't need to come naturally to you, do they? They don't need, to, you don't need, they don't. It doesn't need to come naturally to you to to watch the school basketball match for five minutes and then use the five minutes you saw at the start of the next lesson to have a conversation which isn't about Animal Farm, right? It doesn't need to be that straight away. We don't need to do key vocabulary from the moment they walk in. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can say, Ali. You let four goals in last night, mate. <laughs> should, we t- do you wanna t- should we talk about that? Do you want to talk about that? No? All right. Let- okay, fine. Then, like, let's talk about what tumultuous means. And then, and then we can, boom, we go, we, go, we, go, we go into the lesson from there. But they are things that you can do, right? That's proof that it doesn't have to just come naturally to somebody. There are things you can do. You can learn names. You can do duty when duty isn't your duty right that's a big one for me i had a head teacher when i went to school used to pick up rubbish every single day and just talk to us he used to he used to cross the ball in when we were on the astroturf i do the same thing now um and all right it's sweaty for 2 or 3 minutes it helps i guarantee you it helps you, you know we're using football even as an I, quite a lot even, here, even i have tried have that, that by the way
1: even I. <laughs> I heard that you go in
4: goal. I actually heard that you go in goal a lot. Oh,
1: no, no, no. Ali goes in goal for me, but um, I take some pretty shocking penalties. So, yeah, I do try my very best. <laughs> but do you know something? Again, we're talking – you've just said something, and it just made me think it doesn't come naturally to me. Or, you know, I I just don't know if it is. And you said about the start of the lesson, big thing, be on the corridor, be on the doorway, oh, be yeah. you know, be there to – and it sounds so – simple and a bit grandmother teaching to suck eggs but how much more welcoming is it if you are stood at the door hi you okay how are you doing how's your weekend how's your half term rather than being sat behind your computer at your desk I mean how unwelcoming so I always think being that presence on the corridor or being stood at the doorway to say hello and of course it's not always possible because you're catching up on 17 emails or whatever you know I'm not sitting here and being a complete idealist but and I mean I'm saying that because I, every time I stand up and go to the corridor or I go to my doorway, you're always there as well. So I know it's something yeah. that you massively agree with.
4: I think um one one of one of the best things that I've kind of learned in as for experience, but it's also one of the worst things too. So let me explain, is just to, to be active um and to be to be visible, to be out and about. Um uh <laughs> I do stand at my door in the corridors, and and I do go out at lunch times when it's not my duty, and you know I do go to the concert and the football match and blah blah blah. I'm active. I'm about. I'm out and about, and they they get they get. And you know what what would be my worst fear? And this happens to teachers all the time, doesn't it? And it must be horrifying. My worst fear would be, um, oh, I've got Mr Hill after lunch, and someone goes who? But that, that 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 rarely happens because I'm active now. Being active also definitely has its downfalls because you tend to be the teacher that they go to. You tend to be the teacher that, you know, you don't ever get five minutes free because you're already out and about. So you have to engage in that conversation or you have to deal with that pastoral issue. or There's a fight and because you're out there, you've got to be the one who splits it up. So it does, it does have its pitfalls. But if we come back to the topic of what we're talking about, which is building relationships, then I think being active and being out and about um, being visible goes a, goes a hugely long way. And that would be a nice way of um, encompassing everything we've spoken about so far, right? Going to the football match, going to the concert, learning the names, et cetera, et cetera. I think a nice way of umbrellaing all of that would be to say, guys, try and be a little bit more active. Try and be a little bit more visible. Be the teacher that they do know your name. They do know your name, not oh, the English teacher that wears the red tie, right?
1: No, I completely agree. I think. It's something, again, it's such a small tweak, but can make such a difference. You know, you may not be the most confident. I mean, I can stand in front of a class of kids, but don't get me, I hate speaking in front of adults. I hate doing assemblies, anything like that. Mm. But In front of a class, Mm. absolutely fine. But I think, like you say, that's the thing that's really important. Be visible, be there so that they can see, oh, that new English teacher, they actually care. Or yeah. my my form tutor who talks to the girls about shopping all the time, she's actually really interested to know how I've got on in yeah, basketball or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you just have to find those things, that commonality, that little bit of common ground, I think, where you're showing yeah, them that's a, that's, they're actually interested.
4: That's a really good point. Commonality as well, which is obviously a lot harder for people who um oh, is this true? I don't know. I'm gonna say it anyway, because I'm Samuel, so People who are possibly older, maybe, and people who aren't necessarily so in touch with teenagers, um, which is a little bit easier for me because I'm younger, for example, I've got a younger brother and obviously the coaching background and the lads that I play football with, some of them are, you know, some of them are only 18, 19. It's easier to be kind of in touch with what they're in touch with. But that commonality has helped me massively. And I'm super cringy sometimes. So when I'm trying to be down with the kids, I'll do it in an ironic way, but I'm using, like, I'm throwing some of their slang into a lesson at times just to, just, just to get them on side. Or, you know, we're fist bumping in the corridor, we're doing a special handshake or whatever cringy stuff you, got, you often see on, like, American TikToks with, you know, teachers who do several different handshakes at the start of their lesson. But little things like that. I'm not saying to go to that extreme, but do, you know, little things like that. I tell the lads that I like it when they've had their haircut. I notice that they've had their haircut. i compliment the girls when they've changed their style or they've had it dyed. Um, I think little things like that are borderline cringy, but also they really help. Um, funny story was the first time I heard that. There's a, there's a meme, isn't there, where a little kid gets slapped on the back of the neck and someone says, I like your cut, G. And uh, I was coaching one time uh, under 10s. And we were on one knee and I was delivering the session. It was about five minutes in. And um, a, a lad had come five minutes late. And I had, I had had a haircut, yes, the night before. And it did look pretty fresh. And um, he ran over, he was late. He ran a, the whole length of the AstroTurf. And I'm mid mid coach right now. We're talking about whatever. And he just ran up and took a massive jump and slapped me on the back of the neck, nine years old, and went, I like your cut, gee. <laughs> and i didn't have a clue i didn't have a clue what it meant <laughs> so i went home looked up everyone's in absolute fits of laughter so now i know what it means anyway and uh, na- na- i i use that with the lads every time they've had their hair cut in the- in my form class in the mornings which is often to be fair these lads do like to look after themselves Fair Yeah, to they him. do,
1: especially before a match as well i've noticed but i think <laughs> you,
4: <laughs> that's you, a footballer thing that is
1: you've just said something and it, i'll be honest it's something that i worry about you know was I'm going to say we were still fairly young you're younger than I am but it is something that I think about like oh my god like how am I going to relate to them when I'm like in my 50s or whatever and I think that's something that we really need to think about but I was really fortunate in my first teaching job and I worked with this just amazingly cool woman and she went she was 60 she retired while I was working there as an NQT she was a wealth of knowledge but the way she was with the kids, they still thought she was the coolest thing ever. Mm. And she was very mumsy, but she absolutely, she knew it and like you say, she knew how to make fun of herself and she'd had a spray tan done on a Thursday. She (laughs) went to the family wedding. So she'd come into school on the Friday. You know, this is in Scarborough in the middle of winter. She was very orange and all the kids were like, oh my God, miss, what's happened? And she said, oh, I've, I've got, um." and she was tiny as well, like really bird-like, just so cute. And she was like, oh, I've got a weightlifting competition this weekend and you always need to be hand. <laughs> and it was yeah. just kind of like offhand backwards remark. And I just thought, you can, st-, and when you made that, I, I thought, yeah, that resonates with me a lot. But then I always, she called Margo, yeah. she's incredible. And I just think, you know, there are people like Margo and again, we're saying you've either got it or you haven't, or maybe that's not the case. And thinking about things that you can do to be supportive, but somebody like her, and again, I think that would be another piece of advice. I know we all get nervous having people come into the classroom or, you know, but just see how other people interact. And like, again, it goes back to that whole, be visible and be active. You know, if you're out on the corridor and you can see you've got a colleague down the, you know, a few doors down who's chatting away, just listen and learn from that as well you know we talk about modeling to students you know model to each other and you know share with each other how you can kind of like we say build and sustain those kind of relationships
4: you know um i think i mentioned it earlier but i'm going to say again because i feel even more so now we've talked about (laughs) margot so much of building good relationships is is putting yourself in What seems to you an uneasy position, perhaps, perhaps Um, vulnerable is probably too strong a word, but let's just say an uneasy position, putting yourself Mm -hmm. in what you would see, what you would deem as an uneasy position, which to the kids means the world. To you, it might seem a little bit uneasy, but to them, it means everything that she's made a joke there about herself. Uh, um, We're massive advocates of using the visualizer in a lesson. I do live modeling. That's, That's putting myself in an uneasy position every time I do it. Because I'm because I have terrible handwriting, and you know I'm not the best speller in the world. Just because I'm an English teacher, and I will need to stop and think, and I might comma splice and blah blah blah. But it does aid in building relationships because they see you're human, right? So I think it really does help putting yourself in uneasy positions sometimes. Um, I remember when I was a TA, I was the TA for in again in in Gloucester. This was a fairly rough comprehensive school and. The, the lad was on the border of being kicked out, and I remember I was his TA in English in particular, and <clears throat> the one teacher was not getting on with him one bit. Anyway, this this lad was in a really good mood today. He was in a good mood. He was in the lesson. He was bouncing into the lesson. He was his usual energetic self. Don't get me wrong, but teachers greeting people at the door, standard hello, good afternoon, and he put his fist out to do a, to do the whole fist bump thing. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're if you if you're in, if you're in the older generation, you might not greet people with a fist bump. That's fine, but this kid does and he's 12 and he's, you know, he's from the ends in Gloucester. So he, he, he sleeps, he sleeps on the sofa a lot of the nights. That's if he comes home at all. Uh This kid's got a a difficult life. This kid's got a difficult life and that's his sign of respect. Whether you know that or not is irrelevant because this is the part that really wound me up. He just refused the fist bump. Why? Why? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me because, but what that, Now now I reflect on that. I think perhaps this teacher who was quite the opposite, by the way, quite the opposite, you know, Oxford educated and very different to, um, let's call him Ellis, who was from Treadworth in Gloucester. Look it up. Uh, That didn't seem normal to him. You know, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to fist bump him. He lost him. But from that minute, from from that second, he lost him for the whole hour lesson. I had to sit on his lap to get him to stay in there and it didn't work. So we, we had to leave in the end. And I thought, do you know what? you could have just put your fist out, and I bet he would have been on board for at least 50% of it, and that would have been a win. 50% would have been a win for this kid, and there are lots of kids like that. So, guys, you know, (laughs) I'm preaching right now, but if you have to put yourself in an uneasy position to gain the respect of a child, an uneasy one, not a vulnerable one, don't do anything inappropriate, but if it seems a little bit out of the norm to you, it's probably worth it to them, right?
1: i 100 agree and i'm you know i'm even thinking about today when you're saying you know sometimes you know with the live modeling and the visualizer um year nine animal farm today one of them asked me a question i've never even thought about it and i was like i don't know and i'm not going to sit there and i'm not going to fluff an answer because i don't want them to fluff answers either so i was like all right, come on google let's find out who can get there fastest you know and then they enjoy that as well and i think like you say vulnerability is too strong a word but showing them that you're human or i'll yeah, say to yeah. you sometimes you know there are certain words that just look weird on the board so i'm always like does exaggerate have two double g's yeah. You know,
2: but yeah, again yeah, yeah.
1: or you know obviously you know how much i love to talk about reading and when we read aloud and we inevitably stumble over some words all these little things that can I remember being an NQT or being on my PhD speaking. I used to practice the chapters the night before because I was so nervous that I was going to read it badly. And then you think...
4: Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. And if they, woman, care, if they do care, they do care, it just creates a line of conversation. Yeah, yeah
1: you're a woman in your twenties reading to somebody who's 11. You are going, <laughs> you know, they are not going to care that you've got that wrong. And it just makes it so much more natural, but it's just so important, I think. I think what you you're know the said idea. There. Of, go on. Sorry, what are you going to
4: say? I was going to say I was going to say the idea of um, uh, being human, and you know when we can we we can show that um, humanity right by by putting ourselves sometimes in uneasy positions or having bad days. That like primary teachers get a lot of stick off me sometimes, right? But the, I, this is where I have the utmost respect for them because they have to be on twenty four seven. They, they, they. There's no off days in year one. Do you know what I mean? You can't have a bad day. When I have a bad day, which is usually a Monday morning, my form <laughs> class know not to talk to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, all right, you know they're 15 and 16 years old. It's a little easier, but you don't get off days in primary school, do you? You can't. You've got to be on all the time. Whereas it's a little easier for us, I would suggest maybe because teenagers can gauge gauge your emotions a little bit more. But yeah, shout out to the shout out to the primary staff. who have to be on 24 seven and. Yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't get to have those bad things, I definitely yeah.
1: couldn't do that. And like you're saying, you know, we've already touched upon the fact that you've inherited half of my lot from last year. They'd be like, oh, miss, have you not had your second coffee? And I'd be like, no,
2: I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't talk to me for half yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they'd be like, okay, that's fine. You know, but you can. And again, saying that, I mean, I wouldn't say that, obviously, if I was being observed. But
2: like, again, yeah.
1: it's, it's that building of the relationship, isn't it? And, you know, it was something... We were talking about earlier about giving up your time. My first school in Dubai, um, we had lunch provided every single day, but you had to go and mm. sit in the canteen. And so many teachers chose to bring their own lunches in because they didn't want to sit yeah. in the same room yeah. as the children having their lunch. And I used oh, to go in
4: man, it makes me uh,
1: angry. I used to take my lunch sometimes, and I'd sit yeah. in there every single day because you know that's when they come up to you and they'll be like oh miss um, are we carrying on with whatever this afternoon and i'm like yeah we are oh you want to talk to me about your yeah. english lesson you know it's again we keep coming back we're circling back now to the same things but i think that's really good i think it's cool that we're kind of unpicking it but again that being
4: yeah, that's visible, true actually yeah yeah
1: no but do you know what i mean it is it's that whole thing about being visible being active and even something as simple as sit it. And again, we are so fortunate in where we live that we can do this. But,
2: you yeah. know,
1: give it another few weeks when it cools down a little bit and everyone sits outside. Teachers are all sat outside having their lunch together. But there's nothing to stop you going in the dining room or the canteen or whatever in your school yeah. and just sitting with your teacher friends and having your lunch in there for 20 minutes.
4: No, th- th- there it is makes round- all the difference. If that's the if that's the teacher if that's the teacher going to be because people people are successful with that line of you know that that like yeah. strict there is no personal approach not at any point in their life does anyone know their first name do you know what I mean don't know how old they are don't know what car they drive they live thousands of miles away from the school they work if it I mean if it works it works fine uh, personally for me as we as we move into 2022 and beyond I I, I don't think that works anymore um, you know what I mean if I was a head teacher I wouldn't be employing people like that personally but whatever um but i do feel like sometimes teachers are petrified of being themselves but what you know what kind of life is that at work and i got what what does it does it really matter right does it really matter that they know hope's name do they know that they know my partner's name does it what does that matter it doesn't matter does it really matter that they know my name Sam? Does it? does it really matter that I played football for toughly and it was around the corner of the last school that I worked at. Or, or I've told them a personal story about my past when I struggled with my own mental health and how I could help them. Some teachers are absolutely petrified and I would urge people to not be petrified of just occasionally. Occasionally, you can't do it all the time, obviously, because you're not, you're not their mate. But occasionally, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to show a little bit of vulnerability. Um, Uh, it's okay to put yourself in a somewhat uneasy position because it will gain the respect of them and that that will help you in in the long run
1: i massively massively agree a student today just in the middle of the class we were talking about i don't know we were talking we were doing a 1984 extract and i was saying about how winston at the very beginning when he's like struggling to get up the stairs and he's only 39 and how that demonstrates poor health blah 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 and then A few comments were made oh well you know i'm 12 but my bones ache and then one kid just put a hand up and said my dad was in a really big accident and he nearly died and he never complained so i don't think that you should be complaining because you are only 12. (laughs) like you know she felt confident enough to disclose and share something that's actually really really personal and i just Mm. thought that doesn't matter that we're only four paragraphs in we can pick this up tomorrow we can pick it up on wednesday it doesn't matter the fact of the matter is that <clears throat> kid has walked out of my room today and feels like she shared something that she clearly wanted to share. And yeah, yeah I agree with what you've just said. You know, sometimes when you just put yourself out there a little bit and just make yourself human. We were
4: talking. I want to put. Oh no! Carry on. I was gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna say, uh, uh, like, just off the back of that, really, which is. It was something that, it, this is something I was toying with talking about or not talking about, because I can just see my old head teacher now just absolutely shaking his fist at me or pushing me up against the wall because he was that guy. Uh, good friend now. But um, where does I'm going to be honest. I really hope Brian is not listening, but sometimes <laughs> I don't see right? Sometimes I don't follow policy because I feel like for the one-off occasion, if I've managed that situation correctly, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading the room correctly, it doesn't need to be followed because what I will do is tarnish a relationship that I've built or fail to build one in the first place. So here's a really good example that most teachers will be able to relate to, that someone's phone goes off in class, right? Now, I think depending on the nature of it, depending on the student, and depending on the time of day and blah, 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 there are, there are reasons why you would not confiscate that phone, even though the rules are phones shouldn't be in school Full stop. we know they bring them anyway. So, I mean, I'm putting this out there really, I wonder what people think, I wonder what you think as well, which is, which is that, is it okay to occasionally, you can't always do it because then suddenly you're the anomaly to the rest of the staff body, but is it okay to occasionally, in order to build a relationship, not follow a policy?
1: Okay, first first lesson this term with year ten, someone's phone went off. I said, Right, just put it on the table. I just want to know whose it is, and then I can see that you've turned it off. Of course, none of them did it because they were worried. And I just and I did, and I just said to them, It you you can feel that situation, and I knew that I was losing, so I had to gain control back. And I gained control back by saying, Right, everybody get your phone out now and everybody turn your phone off. I was like, because I'm not gonna win here. And sometimes, and that's the difference, I think, as well. It's also is it having the confidence to do it, maybe as well, and just being like, okay, this isn't working for me, it's not working for my environment. And maybe this isn't the yeah. best example. But no, I do agree with you. There are times when you think, no, I am gonna follow policy. And you've got to be consistent. You can't be like, oh, you know, Sarah went her phone went off last week, but that's okay. But now his phone's gone off, so I'm going to confiscate his. You do have to be Well, consistent. yeah, but
4: this, is, but this but, is where the blurred line comes in because we're no, not being consistent if we do allow it. No,
1: I agree. But at the same time, I think after that one lesson, thank God it was like lesson one, actually. I mean, at the time, I was like, this couldn't have happened at a worse time. Here I am. I've got new clips in my room. I'm establishing the fact that you are our first GCSE class and one of your phones have gone off. This is not what I want. But it's never happened again Mm. and I didn't feel like I lost that situation and also I'm going to be honest we talk about being human my phone's gone off I've forgotten to turn my phone off on pilot and I'm like whose phone is that and I'm like oh my god it's yours like (laughs) you know we have to it is it is it's a blurred lines thing i think you, I think you know real right. you know kids
4: see through that as well right kids see for kids 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 can see for it you know what i mean they, they're 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 way they're way more street smart than we give them credit mm-hmm. for at times and that is that um you know wh- why should we wear, why should we wear jewelry if we're telling them they can why should oh, we wear no. trainers if we're telling them that, that don't I, I
1: feel like the world we used to sit
4: down in assembly um at my school in the uk and i remember the uproar of the teachers me included by the way but i was young at this point and um i was thinking what degraded to sitting down in assembly with my with my form class that's ridiculous no it wasn't it was a genuinely brilliant idea it showed that nobody was above anybody else bar Uh the person speaking the only person who had authority was the person speaking at the front of the assembly everyone else sit down with your form class i don't care if you like it or not and it was that that that's a little snippet of the same thing, right? If if my phone goes off because Nancy are delivering something and I haven't put it on silent, then who oh, am, I? am I to take it off a kid? Oh, last year it happened. Um, I was getting WhatsApp after WhatsApp after WhatsApp. I was like, guys, I'm going to be a massive hypocrite. I need to check my phone. I don't know what's going on. I'm worried now. I've checked it. And in the end, it was so hilarious. I had to put my phone under the visualizer. I was like, right, you lot need to see this. So what they'd done is um, Homebox had delivered my sofa and they'd, made, they'd, they'd built it in the corridor. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> actually built it outside the flat. So then I had to get home and take it apart and move it back in the room. It. Um But yeah, the, you know, the, the, the point of what I'm getting at here is, no no double standards. You can't have double standards, right? If, we, if we're saying to them, no nail varnish, then we can't wear nail varnish. If we say to them, do your top button up, then do your top button up.
1: But this is exactly, you've really hit a nerve here. For me, the jewellery thing, you've seen me. I have multiple ear piercings and I hate standing there with all my earrings in saying, you can only wear one pair of studs. But again, building the relationship, I say to them, I hate sounding like a hypocrite. I'm really honest. I hate sounding like a hypocrite. So can right, we yeah. please, you've got a rule, you need to follow it. I'm not gonna turn a <clears throat> blind eye because that is the rule, but you are making me feel like a hypocrite right now. So can you please do me that favor? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah,
1: But again, you're speaking to them on a level. And you know, then, and I'm just thinking of one girl in particular, I've had the same conversation with her ever since I started. And then I got her in Secret Santa fortunately i wanted her and i went straight out to accessorize and bought one of those like multi-packs of loads of different pairs of earrings and wrote in a christmas card knock yourself out like just going and you know and it was again it's that thing of just trying to make sure that you are showing them that you are human even though there are sometimes and something that you and i have talked about before there are sometimes things that we have to do that we maybe yeah. don't feel comfortable doing, or we don't necessarily agree with, but we've still got to demonstrate that we're, we're toeing the line as well, and we are not gonna be like the weak link, I suppose, in the teacher and leadership
4: situation. I think the, con- I think the conclusion that we can come to off the back of that is it's not, it's, it's not okay to, to break policy. And if the school's implemented a policy, then, then we have to follow it. But at the same time, you are the manager of your own room. And you know those kids better than anyone else and you can read that situation. And if you think it will benefit you in the short or the long term to ignore the fact that their phone's gone off, then, then do it. That, that's where I stand on it. And obviously I'm not a school leader. So if I was a school leader, perhaps my view would be different. But this whole topic has been you asking me how I create good relationships. It's something I'm mm-hmm. good at. Well, sometimes, sometimes policy has to be dropped in favor of getting that kid on my side
1: and you know we are talking about this from varying contexts as well like you say you're talking about your first school when you're in gloucester and the situation i think back to the first school that i taught in scarborough it was hard my training year was hard i was in tough schools you know now we're very fortunate and i you know i have to remind myself the behavior kind of issues that we have to deal with are so low level compared to what we had at the start of our career that, you know, we have to keep that in perspective as well. And I do get it. And I understand, and I do appreciate, you know, once you let one thing slip, you let everything, you know, everything can start to slip, but there is a way of managing that situation. And there is a way of managing that behavior that is going to be like you say, for your room in that moment with that kid with that group of kids at that time and yeah i think as well it's about having the confidence to know how to manage that and and feeling confident in your convictions and i think anybody that's like standing up and advocating for their subject can advocate for the kids as well
4: yeah definitely and it's all part of putting yourself in those uneasy situations isn't it really because that, that um, again is that again is you putting yourself in a in a slightly uneasy situation, but for the good of developing a better relationship. hundred percent. Now,
1: I can't believe I'm gonna have to do this. We've literally we are at the end of time and Tom is straight mm. on at half past seven, half past ten with us. So uh, get in the he, way
4: of Mr. Rogers.
1: Exactly. So we are gonna have to wrap this up. But Sam, thank you so, so much for being Well, I knew you were going to be a great guest, but I've really enjoyed having this conversation with you this evening. Um, So, thank you so much for coming on the show and agreeing to be part of it today because I really did appreciate everything that you've got to say. And I think anybody that is listening back, I mean, if you've got any further questions, reach out to Sam on Twitter. I'll obviously retweet the show with his Twitter handle um, so that you can make sure, because I think. I feel like this is going to have a part two to this conversation because we didn't even get oh, anywhere where we needed be to be. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so yes. So thank you so much, Sam. And thank you to everybody that has listened to, well, it started a little dodgy, but I feel like we've absolutely smashed it as we got there to the end. So I'm feeling like I'm back to radio life, <laughs> but thank you everybody. And I will be back in two weeks. So thank you very much.